0: Sassy Speculum. Sassy Speculum. Sassy Speculum. You're listening to the Sassy Speculum. Hello everyone and welcome back to this week's episode of Sassy Speculum, our all-inclusive women's health podcast written for women who want to learn more about their bodies and minds but don't necessarily have a medical background because everyone deserves to learn about their bodies and gatekeeping of medicine happens in our crazy world so I'm here to dispel any myths, break down barriers, and encourage you to advocate for your own health when necessary. Today's episode is actually all about supporting you and getting you to live your best life. We're not talking about some crazy medical thing today, but more about the importance of keeping you sane, fresh, and thriving. But before I get too ahead of myself, like always, gotta finish up this intro. So, this is Sassy Speculum. I'm your host, Adrian. I'm a naturopathic doctor in the Portland, Oregon area, and I'm starting up my new practice literally next week, and I am accepting new patients. You can head over to my website for more information about scheduling at www.sassyspeculum.com, or if you've been waiting for this moment for a while, scheduling is live, and you can go straight to www.onespacehealthcare.com slash contact to get right on my schedule. That's www.sassyspeculum.com. O-N-E-S-P-A-C-E-H-E-A-L-T-H-C-A-R-E dot com slash C-O-N-T-A-C-T to get on my schedule. You can actually get on the schedule as soon as Monday. So soon. It feels like um, it came up so quickly. And I really, really can't wait to meet you. So moving on, as always, Please rate and review the podcast wherever you are listening to it. This helps to get the episodes out into the world more, which is always helpful. And last but not least, nothing I say today is medical advice. Please always consult your own doctor before making any changes to your health regimen. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor, so I don't know you or your body, so I can't make recommendations for your specific health situation. But if you do want me to be your doctor, well, you know how to make that happen now, don't you? Okay, I think that's enough of an intro for today. Let's jump in. Today, I wanted to talk about the importance of and the science behind self-care and stress reduction. We all know that self-care is important and even necessary for optimal health, but it is way easier said than done. In the medical field, burnout happens way, way, way too frequently. So I'm right there with you in all knowing how much easier said than done it is and how bad shit can get if we don't take care of ourselves but I want to share with y'all the science about it primarily. The science I'm talking about here is called neuroscience. It's the study of how the brain and body intertwine and work together. The most effective type of self-care envelops both aspects of the study, the mind-body connection. So many self-care tips are focused on the external. Going for a walk, getting a foot massage, go on that vacation. These things all provide enjoyment in most people at least. But they aren't actually getting to the root of the issue and addressing the actual stressors or mental health challenges. They're more acting as a distraction. When we experience stress, we feel it inside of our bodies. If you have a big project due at work that you're not prepared for, you might have trouble sleeping, mood swings, and just overall overwhelm. If you get into a car accident, your heart will be beating like crazy, and you might have some shallow breathing. If you get into a fight with a friend or a significant other that's lasting longer than expected... You might have continued scattered thoughts and once again trouble sleeping, difficulty concentrating, etc., etc., etc. You feel stress inside your body because it is physically affecting and impacting your brain. In the past, I've talked about how chronic stress affects our adrenal glands. This is because when our fight-or-flight response is turned on, our sympathetic nervous system is activated. This part of our nervous system tells the adrenals, two little glands that sit on top of your kidneys, to release norepinephrine and epipinephrine, two neurotransmitters that will help you to run away from that bear that's chasing you, because when you're stressed, whether it's actually from a bear or from someone running a red light in front of you, your physical body cannot tell the difference. It will always believe that you are running from a bear, and it believes it's doing you good by pumping out these signals to get you the hell away from it. During this response, our kidneys inhibit a part of themselves that controls your blood pressure. This is why one of the most common symptoms of stress is an increased heart rate and blood pressure, which for some can be truly detrimental to their overall health on an obvious level. But for most quote-unquote healthy young individuals, the effect stress has on their whole body may be hidden underneath your skin. Being in a fight-or-flight vibe leads to mitochondrial damage and dysfunction. Mitochondria, as many learned in 6th grade science, are the powerhouse of the cell. They provide energy to the entire body through what's called cellular respiration, a process where sugars are broken down and converted into a usable form of energy. Since stress results in multiple physical symptoms, the body then puts a lot of pressure on those mitochondria to make more and more energy to keep up with the physical symptoms. And those little mitochondria dudes don't have the ability to repair themselves very well, leading to significant damage, specifically in areas of the brain that are involved in memory and active thought. Another aspect of mitochondrial damage is that when they become damaged, they can literally spill DNA out of their membranes, which eventually finds its way into our bloodstream. This circulating mitochondrial DNA actually mimics the release of cortisol, one of our main stress hormones, and as I've discussed in previous episodes, Chronic cortisol is linked to so many of our most common chronic diseases like diabetes and heart disease, to name a few. A Columbia University study looked at 50 adults, both male and female, who had to be recorded giving a five-minute speech defending themselves against a false accusation. The study team took blood samples both before and after the speech, and for the majority of study participants, the amount of circulating mitochondrial DNA doubled. A 2018 neuropsychopharmacology study discovered that study subjects who were depressed had higher levels of circulating mitochondrial DNA, and it was even higher in those who were unresponsive to antidepressant prescriptions. All of this to explain that stress happens on the inside of our body. Obviously, it can be supported by external self-care, but in order to make a true impact, we have to address the internal problems with internal solutions. And, like always, there is no right way to do it, because everyone responds to stress differently. Do you experience the scattered thoughts, mood swings, rapid heartbeat, or difficulty sleeping, or do you experience something else entirely? I personally notice my body gets really, really tense, and I get just so tired when I'm stressed. I'm usually a bounce-out-of-bed-in-the-morning kind of person, but if I'm not partaking in my self-care, and I'm letting stress overrun my body, like I'm kind of literally doing right now as I record this, because I quote-unquote just don't have the time or energy to care for myself, many of you probably noticed that I actually postponed this episode by a few weeks, because I literally couldn't handle adding anything else to my plate. I had the entire episode written, but I was so incredibly busy getting ready for my bestie's wedding, which was a few days ago, and also getting ready to open my practice and all the licensure and credentialing stuff that I was just super not prepared for. Postponing the episode was my self-care for the week, which now that I'm thinking about it was pretty lame and a minimal way to address my stress, but as I said earlier, self-care is much easier said than done. When I am exercising regularly, eating healthy, proud of my work, and maintaining a successful social sphere, I can literally bounce out of bed every morning and be a happy functioning human being all day. When I was in college, and for, honestly, many years after that as well, I thought that self-care was staying in bed all day, watching TV, and eating an entire oven-baked cheese pizza throughout the day. Because those things made me feel like I was in control. But looking back on that time, I wasn't happy, and I definitely wasn't healthy. Besides the fact that all three of those things just straight up aren't healthy, they were external gratifiers. Self-care isn't just things that make you feel good. The key to self-care is learning what small but meaningful things you can add into your daily life that will help you to thrive. Apparently, laying in bed all day is called bed rotting. It's the act of resting and relaxing as much as one needs, but there does come a time when you are literally just rotting. My bed rotting, eating pizza and watching TV, was my brain's way of seriously looking for any possible way to trigger the chemicals that make me happy and feel good. There are four different happy chemicals in our bodies and they are all connected with specific feelings and actions. Dopamine is the most thought of when it comes to motivation and reward. My brain knew that if I ate that pizza, I'd feel cheesy and warm and happy for 0.2 seconds before I felt bloated, guilty, and grumpy. But my brain was chasing that 0.2 second high that comes from dopamine. This is the chemical that is released when you complete a task, achieve a goal, check something off your to-do list, or eat really good food. The second chemical is oxytocin. We hear a lot about this with new moms and the feelings they feel while breastfeeding. Oxytocin is released when we feel love, friendship, or are with people who we care about. This is silly to admit, but sometimes when my kitten is snuggled on my chest and just looks so cozy and peaceful, and I feel so loved by this little teeny tiny being, I get this warm fuzzy feeling in my body. Some people have brand new babies, I have a kitten, and I'm okay with that. All of that is the oxytocin. The third is serotonin. We all know that this chemical is often out of balance with situations like depression and anxiety. I know I've talked a lot in previous episodes about the other tasks of serotonin, but in terms of happiness, serotonin is connected to recognition, pride, and loyalty. If you do a random act of kindness or take a second to appreciate the amazing work of your loved ones, that's serotonin that is making you feel proud and pleased. And finally, the fourth happy chemical is endorphins. Endorphins are released through physical activity, pushing your limits and experiencing intense sensations. These four chemicals come from self-care, from having a strong social sphere, exercising, eating yummy food, reaching your goals, and being proud of your work. You don't hear me mentioning anything about spa days or tropical vacations or whatever. Of course, those things are amazing and wonderful when they do come about but in the long run, they aren't really going to help you fix your daily life. I saw this metaphor during my research for this episode that really spoke to me. Many people will put self-care on the back burner for a long period of time until they feel like they have the time. Side note, you will also never have the time if you don't make the time. But some people try to change all of this all at once with a huge dose of self-care. Here's the metaphor. Getting all of your self-care in one large dose instead of spread out into tiny things every day is like brushing your teeth for a full hour once a week. Sounds super daunting, it isn't enough to promote proper tooth health, and just like toothbrushing, it's much better to do a few minutes every day to promote overall wellness. Now, if you could find one thing that could release three of those four happy chemicals and very easily boost your mood, your energy, your metabolism, and your overall daily vibe, would you do it? If there was one thing that could help you finally shed those last 10 pounds, or could give you the confidence to finally stand up to your asshole boss, or could bring about enough energy to make it through your day without having to take a nap or needing that afternoon coffee boost, would you do it? What if I told you that one thing you could do every day to encourage all of those things would take you 20 minutes? Would you say you don't have the time? I definitely have said that. Hell, I said that last week when every single second of my time was accounted for, working on something for the wedding, my practice, or for work. But the thing is, is that you have to make time for you. You have to be a priority in your life or you will hate your life. It's that simple. Had I made the time last week to spend those 20 minutes a day taking care of me, I would have been a better partner, a better maid of honor, and an overall better human. I would have appreciated my work more because I had all of those happy chemicals running through my body instead of just talking shit about all of the hard work that I was putting into the wedding. And the stress would have been less because this one thing massively kicks stress to the curb. It's exercise, by the way. The one thing you can do for 20 minutes every day to release three of those four happy chemicals, it's exercise. Which believe me, I know. It's not what everyone wants to hear. I spent my entire childhood being one of those sporty kids. I did track and cross country, and running was just second nature to me back then. Now, the idea of running makes me want to crawl under my heating blanket and never come back out. With exercise, you have to find the type that brings you joy. Ever since I stopped running in college, running was not the joyful activity I once loved. It was the direct opposite. And I stopped understanding the people who had to exercise or they'd feel like crap. The only people who don't understand the need to exercise are the people who haven't found movement that they love. I had gone 10 plus years without joyful movement until I was shown spin by one of my best friends. And now I finally understand it again. If I don't spin for more than three days, I feel grumpy, my body hurts, and I don't wanna get out of bed. For me, spin is my joyful movement. And once I admitted that it was no longer running, I could step away from that identity and I fully embraced a new sport, if you will, I became so much happier, and exercise became my self-care once again. Now, if I can find time in medical school to take four to five spin classes a week, you can find time to fit in a 20-minute bout of exercise every day. And it doesn't have to be a high-intensity workout or running up a mountain— Science has shown that going for a walk with your dog or kiddo or walking through the store at a fast pace, taking the stairs instead of the elevator, I know we've all heard that one, or even pacing while doing mundane tasks like laundry or squatting while brushing your teeth, these all have the ability to release those chemicals. So why the hell would I rather lay on the couch like a sea sponge, endlessly scrolling through TikTok, when I can walk around the block with my dog and he'll be happy and I'll be happy? Well, behavioral scientist Susan Weinshank says that when you open your feed on one of your favorite social media apps, the dopamine loop becomes engaged. With every photo or video that you scroll through, headline that you read, or link that you click on, you are feeding that dopamine loop, which just makes you want more. It takes a lot to reach satiation, and in fact, you might never be satisfied. It turns out the dopamine system doesn't actually have satiety built in, That's why you can scroll long past the point of being amused and entertained. I know I'll tell myself, okay, just one more TikTok, and then I'll just lay there for another 20 minutes continuously scrolling, and I'll feel terrible and guilty about it. So you are promoting one of these chemicals with the endless scrolling, but just like me and eating an entire cheese pizza in bed, or mindlessly scrolling through endless TikToks, Those are temporary highs that you only feel while you're doing the act and you will never truly be satisfied. All things are good in moderation, including dopamine. Sometimes scrolling through TikTok or Instagram is a great way for my brain to wind down and shut off after a busy day, and that's okay. So is watching crappy reality TV or reading silly romance novels. A bed rot day is perfect and incredibly enjoyable when you're burnt out or overwhelmed with life and it is actually a great way to recharge especially for introverts who are taxed by social activities intentional bed rotting is a purposeful way to slow down and reject our hustle culture we all need ways to re- we all need ways to relax aka self care but once that relaxation becomes mind numbing and joyless or if you feel stuck in bed or if you're doing these things to avoid something overall then it's no longer self care And you could be using that time to do something more engaging that would make you happier. Use bed rotting only as a wellness tool and not as an excuse to avoid participating in your life. So what are some of the ways to encourage those happy chemicals while being engaged in our world? Besides exercising, because I know exercising is a tough one to sell for a lot of people. But as I said, just start with 20 minutes walking around the block a day, or walking around the mall, or walking around your office, or your home. One of the best ways that encourages those happy chemicals is actually to spend time outside. Research has found that all benefits of physical activity, yes, even walking around the block, are enhanced when you're outside. If you feel tired, burnt out, or socially spent, and don't want to end up in another bed rot day, go outside. It's that simple. Walk your dog, hike, sit on your porch or a park bench, and you can get the same refreshing benefits as a good bed rot. Another way, spending time with a friend or family member releases both oxytocin and serotonin. And if you create a routine or plan, like a weekly hike or daily family walk, you also get a dopamine reward for following through on your plans. If you have a kiddo, enjoy silly play with them. So much of parenting is doing the cooking, the cleaning, helping them with homework or being their chauffeur. It's easy to forget how much fun it is to have fun with them and enjoy the age they're at. Once again, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and even add endorphins in there too if you and your kiddo have big laughs together. The important key takeaway here is that self-care isn't just something you turn to when you're under stress. It's also not something you stop doing when you're stressed because you're worried about having enough time to do all of the other things on your list. Pick up one daily super simple thing that brings you joy. Keep it simple, and don't try and add 10 things to your self-care list tomorrow, just one thing at a time to make it attainable, sustainable, and beneficial to your health. Dance with your kids, partner, or by yourself as you're cleaning up your daily clutter before bed. Walk around the block after dinner. Do a mini meditation when you wake up or right before you go to bed. I found a list of self-care activities broken down by how much time you have to spend taking care of you that I'm going to post on my Instagram this week. So keep an eye out for that. It will be broken down in if you just have a minute or five minutes or 10 minutes or an hour so that you can do things to take care of you regardless of how much time you have on your hands. Another thing about exercising is that you don't need to do all 20 minutes at once. If you can handle a 10 minute walk during your lunch break and a 10 minute walk after work, do that. Break it up throughout the day. That's totally and completely fine. Now, something that I said a little bit ago got me thinking. I said something along the lines of carrying out regular plans with family and friends completes the dopamine cycle, allowing us to feel like we've completed a task. And therefore, we get a surge of dopamine, which is true. When I successfully maintain a plan with someone and end up having a blast with them, I'm happy that I went through with it. But like so many other millennials, and I think Americans in general after the pandemic, When my plans get canceled, I am usually thrilled. You mean I don't have to put on clothes and makeup and can stay at home and don't have to worry about all the social anxieties about being out in the world? Sign me up. Why did I even say yes to plans in the first place? Well, for these feelings, we are also blaming dopamine. When a plan is canceled and you feel relief and or pleasure, this is caused by a dopamine release. The relief may be more pronounced if you have social anxiety, anticipatory anxiety. When that thing is canceled, the threat of a social situation is averted, and you might experience a rush of dopamine pleasure, plus a reduction in the activity of our fear center in our brain. I also learned that some people don't have a sense of relief when plans are canceled. These are probably the people that encourage us to make plans too. (laughs) If a plan is canceled, some will have no significant change in brain activity, they won't feel bummed or pleased. This phenomenon, according to psychotherapist Nancy Collier, is becoming more and more common as we are operating on a short-term thinking pattern and the concept of commitment isn't very important to our generation anymore. We are less and less likely to turn towards a plan that we don't feel is immediately easy or pleasurable. Apparently, having a strong neurological response to canceling plans, i.e. being bummed or ecstatic that plans are canceled, is a good thing, according to the psychotherapist, because it indicates you care and are invested in the plan itself, even if you didn't really want to go. Relief, distress, excitement, displeasure, these are all normal responses to a plan being canceled. It's when you feel nothing at all that you might want to reconsider why you're making plans with this person in general. That's all I got for you guys today. Season two episodes are just shorter, I guess. Keeping it short and sweet for y'all. Sassy staples for today are number one, stress is felt on the inside of your body. So self-care activities that benefit the inside of your body are going to be so much more effective. Applying a face mask or eating a pint of your favorite ice cream are great for temporary relief of stressors, but incorporating small daily habits that make your everyday life a little bit better will have extreme benefits. That was kind of a combination of staples, so let's say moving on to number three. Chronic stress causes issues with every system in your body and can actually cause irreversible DNA damage that not only affects you and your well-being, but that of your kids too. You would never want to put all of your stressors on your kids, but that's literally what you're doing when you're not taking care of yourself. Generational trauma is a very real concept, and everyday chronic stressors are a type of trauma that is passed off to offspring. Thank you all for listening today and for being patient while I did my own little self-care with postponing this episode. Hopefully, now that things are calming down in my life a bit, I will be able to stick to my schedule better. Please remember to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening. If you're interested in scheduling with me, you can schedule online at www.onespacehealthcare.com Or you can go to my website, www.sassyspeculum.com for more information and the link to schedule will be there as well. I can't wait to meet you and support you on your health journey. Make sure to also follow me on Instagram at sassyspeculum for more sassiness and information. And you can always reach out to me via email or DM on Instagram. My email is um, sassyspeculum at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you if you have questions, concerns, topic ideas, Um, I don't know, anything, just want to say hi, whatever, I would love to say hi to you. As always, this episode's vagina rhyme from my favorite vagina rhyming color book by Margalit Cutler is, oh my gosh, I opened the one I did last week, that's funny. My vag is a nesting doll with beautiful design layered and compact, complete with a glossy shine. That's interesting. All right. Uh, Once again, thanks for listening. See you in two weeks. Bye!